Hello and welcome to the SDC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. We are live. What's up, guys? Feels like fucking forever. It's been a long time, man. I actually can't even like think about when we were last on. Yeah, I think it's at least been a month. Yeah, it was probably that week before Christmas. And then we said we'd come and do another episode and we just never did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <I> was... <laughs> there you, because we know you all have actually been absolutely hanging for us to get back on. Yeah, we're definitely jumping in straight away. Super excited that we're back. Yeah. How's your holiday period? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, it was obviously really nice to just go away on an actual holiday and be able to like disconnect from you know the the normal behaviors of life and you know not have to think about work and stuff so that was definitely good and that's what the holiday did weather was good um obviously got a little bit how's it going with the whole covid situation um being in uh brisbane uh and then yeah obviously being in that kind of you know red zone or whatever they call it yeah uh, so yeah, that got a little bit weird, uh, but I think that's just kind of the world we live in at the moment and, you know, kind of the risk you take when you go away on a holiday and stuff. But yeah, all in all, it was still, um, you know, really awesome. Kind of came back energized, ready to go, um, ready to get back into training and stuff. Lost a heap of weight, just not eating enough. Like when you go on a voice trip, it's like, yeah, like, you know, we'll have dinner um, just so we can line our stomach for alcohol. And then after that, it's just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever needs to happen happens <laughs> yeah pretty much it's funny like i always think back to days when i used to just eat to be full yeah it's such a weird concept to think about now it's like so much deliberateness about what you put in your face it's like hey remember when you just like ate sausages and shit because it didn't matter yeah. you just ate because yeah 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 my stomach's doing that thing so i need to put some food in it yeah yeah so, i think i don't think you realize like just how much you need to eat just to kind of maintain your weight. Like when you're probably, uh, you know, when you're way heavier than you should be, you know, yeah. like at the end of the day, we all have a, there's a pretty good idea of like how heavy we should be. Um, mm. You know, there's pretty good research that kind of allows us to kind of make that, that uh, assumption. But yeah, when you're way above that, it's like you need to do on a daily basis. You need to have that practice where, you know, everything is, uh, you know, the, the same or autonomous to it, like at a protein and calorie level or it just falls yeah. away. And that's kind of yeah. what happened. It's just like got on the scales. And I was like, what the fuck happened here? Like, how do you, lose? I did two sessions in 14 days. Like that can't be like atrophy or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. blew my mind. So anyway, back into it, back on the diet. How much did you put back on like refeeding again? What was that? How much did you put back on just from eating again? No, I, like I, I, I'm probably only up like one kilo, but again, like I was saying the other day, I'm just way too distracted just with yeah. like getting back into work. So, yeah. you know, took a little bit to get back into a productive mode week from day to day. Um, yeah. So yeah, now it's just like next thing is to just get those meals in regularly. Training's good. New program, new phase. 
you know, yeah. off we go. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, mine yeah, wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't really have a holiday. I just, I guess, did the public holiday thing. Um, Amy had a couple of weeks off, though, so it was like a bit of extra only work till sort of midday and do stuff in the afternoon, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it can always go either way with um, both my family and my friends from Shepparton. It's yeah. always a bit of a, this could finish at 10 PM or this could finish at 5 AM. So we'll just roll in and see how it goes. Um, we left, we left Christmas. So a couple of my cousins have just sort of turned like 18, 19. Um, so they're like in the party scene. And it was, I think the, you know, the, it's not an actual beer bong. It's just like the snorkel thing that goes on a, <laughs> on a stubby. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that came out and within 60 minutes, Amy and I were like, let's get the fuck out of here. This is going South real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently that got pretty lit once we'd left, but I went to my mate's place and his wife was pregnant. So I just like out of habit, grabbed a drink out of the fridge, walked out the back to see the boys and no one had a drink. I was like, okay. So it's like that. All right cool <laughs> so yeah it was pretty cruisy which was actually good because i had planned on getting some work done that week so yeah it's good but i've just booked this week a few days in um dalesford in february which is yeah nice now that i've booked it i'm super hanging for it <laughs> isn't that always the way when you know something's coming everything's just the struggle until you get there yeah yeah super simple just airbnb with a spa like on a balcony um which i'll just live in for three days i think yeah it's awesome mm maybe leave. I think there's a pizza shop like across the road that's supposed to be real famous. Yeah. I might leave the spa to eat pizza. That's um, the only reason why I'd leave the spa to be honest. Yeah. For food. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think training is just kind of ticking along at the moment. Nothing, nothing magic is happening. I'm getting stronger, which is strange because I shouldn't be, but I am. <laughs> yeah. um, so I equaled my bench. I'll probably do an all time bench PB next week based on how things are going. So that's still cool, but I'll yeah. probably start prep for June, the week I get back from holidays. Um, give APL a crack for their debut. Or it's not a, it'll be their second meet in Victoria. So yeah, um, yeah. Hey, a cool. lot of our, most of our guys are moving across to that Fed. So handle and lift on the same day. So I'll handball most of that to Jace, but it'll be fine. Oh, yeah, I might be busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much it though. There's not not else. I lost a couple of kilos over the break. I'm not too stressed about it. I've, I'm sleeping yeah. a lot better. I've actually had to go to the um, nasal strips. Yeah, I'm interested to know how they go. Yeah, the feedback is it, it's improving. Yep. Um, so I also got a bit of like allergy sinus stuff going on, which isn't helping. Uh, but I've definitely increased the cardio. You see, the bike is actually not covered in dust at the moment. I am using it. <laughs> um, but yeah, push my steps up, doing some more cardio and put the nasal strips on over the, only this week, but yeah, feedback from Amy overnight was, it was better. Oh, well, that's positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, Progress I'm not, is what we're after. I'm not waking up like unable to swallow because I've just been beating the shit out of my throat all night. Um, <laughs> so that's a positive, but like I said, I've lost a little bit of weight. So we'll see. It seems like anything over 94 was where it really kicked in. So we'll see once I put that back on what happens. Yeah. Just try not to put it all on my neck this time. Yeah. <laughs> so to finish off our five pillar series uh, that we've been working through over the last however many weeks it's been, 
Um, the final pillar is be great, which is around your ability to be technical, technically proficient. Um, so today we're just going to open that up about like what it really takes to just be a great personal trainer. I think the discussion that we were having before is like the people we work with. And, and I think most personal trainers that I would have conversations with probably focus on this pillar above all else. And they rarely step back and actually think about well, what does my client actually need? Um, the Jason, I've talked on the podcast before about like paying exorbitant amounts of money to go see a particular speaker and learn a certain thing or whatever that, if we look back at it now and be totally honest, it was probably more for us than our clients and for our business and did more for ourselves than anything else. So I think it's important sometimes to step back and go, how do I be the most proficient at being a good personal trainer for my target client base? Yeah, I think to be to play devil's advocate, because there's going to be people that are straight off the back and are like, you know, maybe get a little bit butthurt with that statement. Come at me. <laughs> but you can still fulfill like you know your own element of like education and, and that kind of stuff as well because you know a lot of the people that are tuning into this podcast you know train and they want to kind of try and figure some things out for them too Definitely. we can't forget that for our business to succeed we need to really understand the needs of what our clients uh, have sorry the needs our clients have and we need to kind of make sure we have a, a sufficient education around solving the problems that they have and providing service for them. And, I, and, and like Ben and I have said in the past, like people get a bit too carried away and just nerding out for themselves and, and then almost like get into a position where they're like pushing a service um, onto their clients that like doesn't necessarily like, you know, kind of service them uh, that well um, when they could just take a couple of steps back, take the ego out of it and go, right, what do they need? Where do I need to be proficient in for them? And then I can also on the side, you know, have this pursuit of knowledge and education for myself as well. Yeah, hundred percent. There's always like overlay in everything. Like if you go and do do like a squat mechanics workshop or something like that, that's that's targeted at making your squat better. You're obviously going to be able to carry over a lot of that information for uh, your clients as well. But say you're working with Gen Pop, you need to also know what to do when someone actually can't get under the barbell or like how to still get that general fat loss and strength adaptation without being able to get under the barbell because it's going to take you 30 minutes to teach someone how to squat properly and they don't actually give a shit enough to value that. Yeah. So I think it's that awareness of what information is specifically valuable to your clients and then what is on the fringes that's specifically valuable for you, which look, to be honest, as you develop through your career, the, I know for myself, the better I've got as a lifter, the better, the better my clients baseline is as a lifter as well. So I seem to attract people who are more proficient based on my own proficiency. So there's definitely value in that as well. Um, but I think the main message to take home today is do all the education and stuff that you want, but make sure that you're technically proficient in getting an outcome for the client that you want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think Jace, you would agree. And this is where it gets really interesting straight away. And 
like you said, people getting butt hurt, like don't do education for yourself. Like make sure you know your clients. This will probably challenge those same people. Um, the, the ability to communicate with clients and actually coach, I think is the number one on the list for technical proficiency, like actually being able to get buy-in and have discussions and um, communicate effectively with your clients is more important than how much you know often more, more important how much you know about biomechanics. Yeah. Cause well, I guess the best example of that is just that, that trainer that's not really that um, technically proficient doesn't have that like, you know, kind of language and jargon from the textbooks and stuff, but they still have you know, really, really good relationships with their clients. And, and a lot of them can still get really, really good results too. And that's because they'd be out, they're able to, you know, kind of empathize, communicate, understand, acknowledge, um, you know, their clients and their, their clients feel comfortable, you know, potentially kind of open up to them in, 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 you know, more often than they would to someone who they don't kind of get along with. That's always going to help the personal trainer uh, client relationship. And, you know, where the flip side of it is you see these really technically skilled, um, you know, like lots of education, um, lots of you know certifications, and and value their education is really high up on their um, on their in their top three or four values maybe. But they really really struggle to communicate with a person and be able to make them comfortable, you know, open up to them, you know, solve problems, you know, those kind of things. And that's really kind of you need it. You need both. You definitely do. But if you're not a great communicator, it's going to be really hard to just like you know kind of unload all of this knowledge onto somebody else if they need it. Yeah, hundred percent. And like having all of that knowledge without being able to communicate it effectively or create one thing that people miss too is actually create belief in buy-in with people. Like if if you're communicating in a way that's just like telling someone you're not helping them. Sorry, it's, it's garbage day in, in Bruckner Drive. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're if you're not able to, in, we don't like the word motivation or inspire necessarily, but being able to create an environment that the person wants to pursue the outcome, because whether it's that they you've enabled them to believe that they can, or instill confidence in them and empowered them in some way to actually go and execute with you by themselves or that type of stuff is, is often as important, but often way more overlooked than the technical skills themselves. Yeah. And I really think that a lot of people get separated like coaches get separated by this area um, a lot. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we all have access to education. We all have the access to the abilities of the fundamentals, like, you know, knowing about programming, knowing about squatting, understanding, you know, mechanisms of fat loss, hypertrophy, strength, you know, all of the, the really cool and fascinating stuff that we as coaches just want to nerd the fuck out on. But what is going to make you stand out from the pack is this stuff, is your ability to make your client feel comfortable, relate to you, trust you, you trust them, you know, like Ben said, make them commit to something, identify what that is. You know, and when shit doesn't get, um, go to plan, they tell you, they actually tell you the truth. And, you know, I feel like the service-based industry becomes, is becoming more and more and more important as we move into these digital ages and people are starting to hide behind screens and, and using keyboards and whatnot. They, they're going to thrive on human interaction. Like we still thrive on human inter interaction. That's why I love going to the barber. I know Ben does too. So 
my wife uh, definitely likes going to get her hair done and like catching up with whoever and just like gossiping and stuff or just chatting, you know? And it's just because like, that's what we as humans are, you know, supposed to do. So if we can kind of set ourselves apart and be really good at communicating with people, then that's the thing that's going to really stand out for your clients, especially like, you know, we talk about this like client experience and you know, how can our clients become advocates for us to talk to other people and be these like walking billboards. It's like, this is where it's at. They're not going to sit there and tell their friends, oh, I got told about mechanisms or hypertrophy by Jason. So I'm going to tell you guys to go and coach with it. Like, they're not going to do that. I'm sorry. Us coaches will do it. And it's like, hey, this guy's really fucking smart. Like, you guys should go and like hang around him or do one of his workshops or something. But like, if you don't train trainers, then you need to make your clients feel comfortable and improve the experience for them and, and make them trust you and get outcomes. And I was like, this is how we stand out. This is how we do it. The irony is even when you are communicating at maybe a higher level of knowledge, like the smart people, for example, that we would be like, Hey, this person like fixed my shoulder or improved this in my squat or whatever. Um, or this person understands physiology to a crazy level it's still the way that they communicate that to you that makes you go, Oh fuck. They really get that. And they're really smart. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just, they wrote things down on a piece of paper and pushed it over to you and was like, well, there you go. That's how you write a program. It's like, Oh, well, that doesn't really engage me. And I still aren't going to go tell people about you. So no matter what level of who you're working with, you still have to be able to deliver content that's engaging or, or d- deliver knowledge that's engaging and it creates um, value for the person that's sitting across from you. So in terms of how to do that, obviously I I feel like we've established the importance pretty clearly now. Um, Actually how to do it. Look, Jason and I went down the road of an incredibly uncomfortable, challenging weekend. It was three days long with four business partners who had to talk about their business candidly to each other, uh, doing a cert for in mindset coaching. As, as, as funny as people will like look at mindset coaching sometimes and go, oh, it's woo-woo and whatever. Um, most people probably wouldn't even know that Jason and I have it and that we use it, but a lot of our clients will talk about how well we engage with them and how much they've actually improved their mindset with training, nutrition, themselves, all that sort of stuff over the time of working with us. Um, so that was an invaluable experience. Um yeah, Jace, maybe your experience on that before we move on to some like tangibles that people could do. Yeah, so it was a really valuable, uh, you know, there was some really valuable lessons to learn over that week. And obviously, like, you know, the, the awkwardness and the role play and stuff was good from a growth perspective. Like, you know, as much as like we didn't want to do it at the time, like, you know, um, years down the track, it's like, that's the best place to learn. It's the best way to learn. Uh, but the content itself was really valuable uh, from like, yeah, the ability to build relationships and understand your clients, but also to just like, just reduce that overall like stress and anxiety and pressure that we put ourselves on as coaches and taking ownership of things that we shouldn't. Um, and even just like, you know, putting ourselves in situations where we're like challenging things like our self-worth when, you know, all we need to really do is sit back and go, what, what's actually happening here? Why am I actually feeling this way? You know, do I, do I actually deserve to feel this way or what is this meaning? Um, and, and then come at, come out of it at the end and go, well, what's a better way of approaching it? Um, and you know, I've, I've spoken about the story before where it's just like, you know, I've been out for dinner on, and, you know, with my wife and just thinking about like my clients and, you know, just taking ownership of like their results and, and all that, those things and thinking about, well, how am I going to solve this problem for someone? And 
it was just a real reflection of like me and my, you know, how, what I thought that situation was reflecting on my ability as a coach. Um, and this weekend actually really helped me to kind of disconnect from that. Um, and not, it's not like you're not taking ownership for things that you should, but it's just like really trying to navigate through a situation like that and go, what is this actually meaning? And, um, you know, I know for myself, I've been able to kind of just like put some things to the side that didn't deserve my attention. Um, and then, yeah, at the same time, just like, you know, there were a lot of things that we were doing already, but it's just making meaning of it. Like, you know, it's like, why would I want to ask this question? Why would I want to encourage this conversation or even just like how to guide conversation where you want it to go for someone to make it, make an actual solution for themselves. It's much better than you sitting there just like telling people what to do. Cause it's just like, again, personal trainer, high and mighty, larger than life. Um, we're perfect. Of course, um, <laughs> telling someone what to do is not a good way of them absorbing information. It's just like, all right, let's navigate through the situation and you tell me what you think you could do to make sure this happens. And, you know, that's just an invaluable thing to do as a personal trainer. It's like, if you want these personal connections with people, if you want to thrive in the service-based industry, you need to be able to have conversations like this and you need to be able to manage a large group of people and disconnect from some things when you need to, um, that don't mean things that we're trying to put on them, put, we'll put weight on them. So yeah, like obviously you can tell I'm very, you know, very happy that and very, very lucky to, to be able to give, go through an opportunity like that. And we got exposed to it from a colleague of ours. No one kind of goes down this route as, and, and relates it to coaching. And I think that that's kind of a little bit of a hole that people need to fill. Do you need to base your whole business around it? No, but it's like, you definitely need to understand it. Yeah. And just, just to be, I think really clear is like at that time we had a couple of other coaches who had, gone down that path and i think we were a little bit even apprehensive at the time because they were very much like let's high five and great job and let's cuddle and sing kumbaya and all that shit and that was not us like we weren't we weren't those coaches but it's it's about i guess spinning off from we if you don't want to go down the road of a cert three or four in mindset coaching the main things we learned were fundamentals of NLP. So neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and then the big one that we, you, you can find is fairly available online as well. It's called the reach model. It's just a form of communicating. It's a way of structuring a conversation uh, that in, allows the client to figure things out and empowers them to make choices. It takes, like Jace was saying, takes that pressure off you, but also the outcomes that you will get is, they are infinitely better because the, the client has made the decision rather than you've told them what to do. And, you know, we know ourselves, like when we get told what to do versus when we decide we want to do something, which one are you going to be more likely to do? Yeah. I, I would much rather have a toolbox of strategies to help with people's commitment and motivation and obstacles um, and, and you know, be able to navigate things like goals and stuff. Mm. even just like day-to-day problems than just be that person that sits there and tries to deflect ownership and go, well, you didn't hit your macros this week. So next week you've just got to hit your macros. It's like, there's too many people like that out there. Um, you know, again, like I've said, you know, these conversations will, you know, set you apart. And then obviously, you know, when we talk about this from a retention perspective as well, it's like, what kind of relationship are you going to build with a client with these kind of things? It's like, this is where a true client trainer relationship really starts to evolve. You know, rather than just being a number um, and, and, and having, you know, like 
a check-in or, or whatever it is. It's like, cool, I'll see you next. I'll see you when I see you or, you know, all good, you know, hit your macros next week. It's like, it's not a really good connection there. So I just think from a retention perspective too, for, for coaches and business owners, it's like relationships are everything. Yeah. So we'll just touch on quickly before we move on. Uh, the differences for online versus face-to-face with this context, it's probably of all of the online coaching space, aside from being able to walk like our client acquisition episode that we did last week, being able to walk into a gym with 4,000 people is, is a plus when you're looking for business. Um, this is probably the most challenging thing when it comes to actually engaging with clients and getting outcomes is being able to communicate when you're only touching base with someone maybe once a week, a couple of times a week. Yeah. So thinking through this stuff and understanding, trying to put your, having the skill set to put yourself in the mind of the client and then what are they going to need? What questions do they, you need to ask to get them to think about the things you need them to think about and then what feedback do you need and how is that engagement and relationship going to work in an online space, which I think is maybe where there's an even bigger gap online with this stuff than there is face to face. Yeah. I, I think unless you have like a massive following, um, and your lead generation is like, you know, organic in itself, or like just maybe with some like paid marketing or something, like you need to get very good at finding a way to, to develop these relationships online because yeah. unless people are just coming to you, um, you know, without you even trying, you're going to have to, you know, and staying with you or you're just got the ability to turn them over quickly. Yeah. Like from, yeah, like a lead acquisition and retention perspective online. It's like, this, these are the things that people still thrive on. Like, still need to kind of find a way to build a connection to your clients in the online space outside of that, like just, you know, super high volume, you know, organic, large following kind of fitness pros that everyone bases their business off, which realistically it's a very, very small percentage of the fitness industry kind of operate um, that way. So again, it's just a, a matter of like, you know, how can I look at the bare bones of the face-to-face model from a mindset perspective like what's going on here what am i trying to achieve you know uh how can i replicate this into some form like remote model um and still kind of have a relationship and let you know let them know on the other side that there's someone still invested in like you know how they're feeling what they're what they're doing what they're working towards um providing solutions for them how who has a a a toolbox of activities and 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 language and, and and actions and behaviors to navigate them out of a really difficult time and it actually gives a fuck too yeah yeah that's the main one <laughs> well there's one thing to do in a motivational interview and just like handing them a piece of paper and writing things down in the fucking squares and then there's you know creating a video for them doing it together prompting probing looking at what they've had to say challenging them suggesting you know it's just it, it's just so different like you know someone could be blown away by just being handed a motivational interview and yeah. then it's like nah the next level shit is like, we'll take you through it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. 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 That's the other thing that we learned during that as well as the motivational interviewing, um, yeah. which you can find also. Uh, all right. So moving on from, from that, like building the relationships and being able to communicate the next, I, I've tried to do this as much in uh, order of importance as possible. And Jace, you say it all the time, like, your job as a personal trainer is to prescribe and teach exercise. Yep. So your ability to facilitate exercise execution 
should be pretty fucking high on the list of importance of what you do. Yeah. Like technique proficiency, all of those things, like all the cool words that we want to call it is like the number one thing. Like you should not be out. You should not see a coach outside of maybe in the first 12 months, still learning a lot of movements. I get it. <clears throat> I'm giving you guys some leeway outside of 12 months. Like you should not be able to see someone doing an exercise correct and not being able to prompt a reason to navigate them out or a potential reason why it's happening just blows my fucking mind. Like how you, your, your precision of rep is everything, how you execute. It's like a recipe. Everyone can be given the ingredients. It's how you actually put the recipe together that actually makes the cake great or the meal. It's like you either have fucking scrambled eggs or an omelet. It's like, what do you want? And it's like the omelets in the execution, right? So if you guys want fucking scrambled eggs, when you guys are doing your bench presses and your squats and stuff, like, and someone else is over here making fucking omelets, it's like, who's going to get better outcomes long-term? Who's going to, who's everyone going to be looking at? It's like, I'm going to go with the omelets unless you guys like scrambled eggs a lot. Yeah. And we try to navigate out of this space way too fast. Mm -hmm. Every single person thinks they know what's going on. Every single person thinks they've like gotten the technique, man. I'm fucking certain that like tiger, Roger, Mayweather, like they never sit there and say like, Oh, I know how to jab now. I know how to do it. Like hit a fucking um, driver down a fairway. Or I know how to do my backhand slice. Like they're fucking working on that shit all the time. So it's like, you guys never get the technique. It's always evolving. It's, it's something that you should always be, you know, kind of brushing up your skill set on and revisiting. And that's what sets you apart, especially as a face-to-face -face coach. And even in the online space, you've got a really good eye. It's like, hey, send me a video. I can give you some cues to fix it. Oh, my other online coach couldn't do that. It's like, yeah, because they don't know their technique. They don't know the proficiency. They don't know. They don't have like a general understanding of like biomechanics, muscle action. Like, man, the amount of people who just like don't know what a muscle does in terms of its action. It's like, that's actually fucking scary. Like, because you're prescribing movements in a lot of cases to stimulate certain muscle groups. It's like, you don't know what that muscle group does. Like, how are you supposed to look at the movement and go, hey, that's working. Like, all right, just kind of doesn't really compute with me. So as you can tell, it's like a real sore spot. Like, because it's just, main scope of practice like we go through like the cert three and four and it's all about exercise and there's a considerable component of it that's muscles and bones and it's because like oh the words are too complicated there's too many syllables in them it's science jargon i'm just gonna eject and it's like okay that's fine there's other people that are going to learn that stuff and understand it to a, a general level and they're going to stand out just because of that yeah it's amazing that general knowledge is stands it stands out on the PT gym floor. Yeah, like what does what's the action of the lat? And like someone's just like, what the fuck? Like, what did you just say to me? Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I, I just think everyone should have a real like you should be able to look at a skeleton and the one with the muscles on it and just be able to point the muscles and say, This is what this muscle is, this is where it attaches. This is how you get origin and insertion together, which means it contracts, but that's what this is called. You don't necessarily have to like horizontal lateral adduction or whatever. Like you don't need to go that far. Like you definitely do. Like if you want to work with certain populations and I think people should get there eventually, but it's like, if you don't know why a muscle loco, like how a muscle locomotes the skeleton, you're in big trouble. Like, cause you can't identify whether something's being done right or wrong. You're just going, okay, so I'm looking at things from A to B. Oh yeah, cool. We got there. My shoulder hurts. Ah, oh, no, don't worry about that. 
<laughs> yeah, go get that checked out. But yeah. we'll just fucking hurt it again. Like, yeah, yeah it's just it's it's something that only a few people kind of really put as like that number one thing that they should be good at. It's like you should be good at this. You should be exceptional at it. And we're just not. There's not enough people that are. Yeah, it's another habit that people, like you said, they just move on too quick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't have that much to add. I think we accidentally poked the bear and we got a good response. Right. It's my spot. It's the thing I, I love the most. I like it. It was good. <laughs> uh, so months, yeah, we uh, these two align well together because if you don't understand exercise execution, programming becomes much more challenging. Uh, but the next thing that I think is very important is programming. And I've got to be honest, and Jason, I know you, you'll say the same thing. Having spent two or three years, whatever it was, delivering the Cert 4 course is probably the standout part of that entire course. Yeah. Was their programming model. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it, from, a, from a general population, entry-level personal trainer perspective, it ticks all the boxes, man. Yeah. Like if you got good at that, you could still get really good outcomes with most people. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I, I reckon most people kind of look at that and go, oh, it's too simple. It's not sexy enough. And it's like, we need to do some dumb shit to like entertain ourselves. But it's like, it, like it, it, it's a, and it's an exceptional model for an entry level personal trainer that most yeah. people should master and they don't. Potentially the problem is because you don't understand exercise execution. When you apply your programming model, because you don't understand exercise execution, you feel like it's not complex enough because you're just partnering a variety of different leg exercises on leg day. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, that's, that's simple. That's, it's like, well, did you think about the exercise order and why you're putting that one there and why you're choosing this one and why you would put in external stability and why you wouldn't put in external stability and that sort of shit. That's what actually makes a program great. More so than the, uh, I guess, parameters that that chosen method has provided you. So like we have programming methods, we have a, a fundamental one and then we have a, one for strength and one for hypertrophy. And they're very, very, very specific to allow us to quantify things as much as possible, far beyond what they offer in a Cert 4. But you can get results with the Cert 4 if you understand exercise. We yeah. just choose to go to another level because it gives us more data because we work with people that that's actually of benefit to it's just a greater understanding too. Like as you understand more, there's more moving parts. You can be able to put more pieces together. Thing of the, I think what most people are trying to do is just complicate something that could be really simple, start off straight off the bat and they can get real good at it. Like if something's simple, you guys will master it faster. Yeah. Most people want to do the other thing. I know it's like a, a sign that you're becoming better because if it's more complex and you can grasp it, your knowledge is increasing um, or they, you know, they believe so. So then, you know, going back and making things simple is going to be, you know, them almost, they think they're regressing. Mm -hmm. It's like, think about how good you would be at some really straightforward programming model that was effective. Because at the end of the day, we hit your outcomes, right guys? So if it's, a, if it's simple and effective and you're really good at it, you're going to be the person that people go to to get X because you're getting actual outcomes of people, getting good results. And you can kind of tell someone why it's happening too. Yeah. On the side, go and nerd the fuck out on programming, you know, sets, reps, rest periods, you want to play around with tempo, all of that kind of stuff, go for it. We did the same thing, right? But 
still be able to kind of have some form of programming model where you have four clients. There's a similar rationale with how you got to the steps of putting it, giving it to them. It's not just like, oh, when I'm bodybuilding.com, site typed in like, you know, shoulders program, cool, this guy wants big shoulders. Um, off Instagram, you know, some said famous Instagram model, chest workout, cool, just slap that into some other generic program, here you go. You know, or you're just kind of doing random workouts, you know, you're not even kind of doing programs. There has to be a, a, a rational thinking of like, okay, so we're going to go from here to here to here to here and give this person a program. And, and that's what, what we're missing. And, and it's funny because we, got to, we get taught that process just in a really easy to, to follow way. And we just push it aside so quickly. Mm. Just want to move on to the sexy shit. Yeah. If you combine, fuck, even the, the course that I did, what didn't have the programming model that we taught, it was like push-pull-leg fundamentals that even further regressed. If you can communicate well, you can prescribe and teach exercise well, and you use that basic ass push pull leg programming, maybe an A and B cycle, or just like even just do the same workout three times a week. If you can communicate that well enough, you'll get better results than fucking with complicated shit. You don't understand. Yeah. Your clients won't do it. If you don't have the communication in place, they'll likely either get hurt or it just won't be effective because you're not understanding the foundations or the fundamentals of exercise execution. And because they're not consistent, your fancy ass programming doesn't work anyway, because it needs to be really consistent to be effective at that level. Hmm. So I think that's something that people miss. Uh, my pet peeve that triggers me the way Jay Scott triggered with exercise execution is personal trainers that don't have programs. Yeah. There's nothing that shits me more than that. It's like, that's your fucking job. <laughs> like know yeah. how to do exercise and write fucking programs. Yeah, really like that's cert three shit. Yeah. It's a reflection of your service. Like, yeah, I, I find it disrespectful to the client yeah. and like, I don't care if like you do hit training or whatever, you can fucking program all of it. Like CrossFit has a programming model. Like the, the ultimate of like, be prepared for everything fucking show up and do what's on the whiteboard for my wad. They have a fucking programming model in their booklet that tells you how to write programming for that. Yeah. So I, I don't buy that. Like, Oh, my clients just want to come in and have fun. Yeah. Cool. You can still program and deliver that outcome and show progress progression over time. My challenge to you is the reason that you're not programming is because you're scared that if they get five weeks in and they haven't progressed, they'll leave. Yeah, or you the mindset that like if you provide the program for them they'll leave like that's a um a reflection of like yourself more than anything like, yes yeah, so it's just a fear-based mindset which yeah. isn't going to get you real far in this industry no. um it, it needs to be client first which yeah client first mentality will, will return much greater outcomes than anything else but yeah like i think closing this section or this part off just this this acute part like talk to any any experienced coach they'll tell you how they've gone full circle they started like they got taught a simple model drifted away did all the sexy shit now they've come back and they go you know simple is effective it's easy to follow and then you've got more quantifiable measures to then throw things in yes you can do some things that are different to what you've learned in, in earlier in your career and they are a little bit more complex but the, most of these coaches are going to say that like the, the 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 model that's easy to follow with as many moving parts as people need 
um, is going to be the most effective way long-term for adherence, you know, all of those kind of things. So um, just so you guys understand, like we're not shitting on all these methods and stuff. It's just like, there's so many holes that we see. You guys are navigating out of these things a little bit too quickly um, and trying to move on to like all of the sexy shit when if you kind of come up with step one to four on how a program came about, if you guys are actually providing them, you usually can't do it. So it's like, make sure you can rationalize why you're doing something, yeah. why the client's doing something. They should be able to ask that question every time. You should be able to answer. Because the reality of it is most of them work. Particularly yeah, if you're working with general, anything will work. Yeah, of course it will work with the general population. Like you can do a wave load, you can do a five by five, you can do a GBC 100%. program, you can do whatever you pick, whatever method you want. It's likely going to get an outcome, but it's knowing inside that model, how to, how to manipulate the variables that are going to get the results long-term. Yeah. Making sure it's specific to the outcome. New phase. Sorry. So making sure it's specific to the outcome as well. So it's like, we don't want people like, I, you know, I'm not going to program fucking, you know, circuit training for my, for my bodybuilders or something like, it's just weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So just making sure it's applicable to the goal, you know, um, and making sure you're taking in your clients, individual goals and considerations, what separates you guys, you know, so you don't become that cookie cutter person that just like does the same shit with everyone. Yeah. Exceptional programming knowledge, again, will separate you from those people. That's how you stand out again. So if you're working with someone who has general body composition focus goals, like get fit, tone up, lose body fat, build some muscle mass, increase general strength, improve overall confidence, that sort of stuff. Most of these people, unless they move into or until they move into an athletic type mindset, most of them want to train when they're training. They don't want to spend too much time fucking around with, learning a technique for a complex exercise that they can't figure out. So I think the most potentially for me, the most important step in a good program is knowing your progressions and regressions really well. Yeah. And being able to move up and down that chain really quickly based on the person that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's like a, it's a qualification spectrum to uh, movements that people uh, navigate to too fast. Mm. so we you know just use that the barbell back squat for uh you know uh, an example people slam a bar on someone's back as soon as they can sit on a bench yes if i can control myself sitting on a bench boom bars on the back that's it you're in you know you're you've earned your badge there's probably three exercises minimum that you could do before you slam a bar on someone's back to make sure they're prepared for that or it just like puts them in the best position for when that bar's on their back that they would maximize the benefit of. Yeah. And a lot of people push back on that. Like, Oh, well I can teach anyone to back squat. It's like, yeah, cool. You can spend 20 minutes and get their squat right by the time they leave. And then you can spend 15 minutes the next week. And then you can spend 10 minutes the next week. And then you spend five minutes the next week. How much work are they actually during doing during that time? Whereas if I'm standing on the platform across from you, taking them through a, uh, kettlebell front squat into a front rack kettlebell front squat into maybe a safety bar or a front like front squat variant with a barbell and then into the back squat who's squatting more at the end of the four to six week period who got more strength uh, muscle mass fat loss outcomes over that time and who feels better about going to the gym yeah yeah and I, I guess the argument then is like you know the technical people that are, that are listening to this show, like you guys can definitely navigate through that. 
the less technically proficient people that haven't gotten to that stage of like dissecting the squat to be able to spend, you know, a couple of hours, maybe even talking about it are going to, are going to be better served understanding the, the, the progression model from movement to movement, because each step makes that lifter better to be able to get into the most regressed position mm -hmm. rather than like, I, I can, I know that I have to teach someone to sit on a box and then stand two feet in front of it and do it in the air. All right, let's slam a, a, a bar on their back. Um, oh no, they're wobbling everywhere. They're not making depth. Their arms are flapping around like a chicken. Oh, good job. Let's put five kilos on either side because that's the only way I know that you get gratification from this joke. Where if you have this progression regression model, we've seen it happen. I was talking to someone about it today. Movements make other movements better if they're prescribed properly. So you can make someone better at deadlifting if you have some you know, split stance RDLs, some back exercises, hip thrusts, all of those things I'll argue to. I go blue in the face that all of those things cross over to teaching someone how to deadlift. It's just about putting that sequence together. So you can do the same thing with a squat. We've got it for the deadlift as well. So I probably should have used that proper progression regression model, but it's just like, it's for a less technically proficient trainer who doesn't understand all of that stuff and can't verbally tell somebody you know, with a bar on their back who still probably doesn't understand the language that you're speaking, put them in a better, put them in a different position that forces them to challenge what you're trying to tell them. It's just they're in space. So the leverages make them do it. Yeah. I would almost argue. I would be pretty confident that almost anyone, unless they had like true physical restrictions, like structural restrictions could walk in the door of my garage and I could get them under a bar and do a squat within an hour. hundred percent. Could but, you have done that 10 years ago? Well, no, but I'm saying even for those who are technically proficient, who have that skill set, if I compare that person that I need to do that with to yeah. bringing someone in and going, where are you, what can you do right now without much input from me? Start doing that and then compare both people six weeks from now. I'm pretty confident based on what I've seen since applying this model two, three years ago, that the person that starts doing, that starts training not practicing for training yeah, will be in a better position in six, 12, 16 weeks than the person who has to spend four weeks just squatting the barbell, even though strength wise, they could probably squat 50, 60 kilos. They can't execute the skill well enough. I yeah. would bet that the person who's training from day one gets a better outcome over that period. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like, um, I, in my opinion, a counterbalance squat will teach you know, that thoracolumbar control that allows someone to help stabilize their midsection in that squat, if that's the failing point, way faster than telling a newbie to put a bar on their back and like, oh, just brace, you know, that brace breath, big brace, yep, chest up, oh, but then put it down, oh, but then don't tuck this, that, that, that. It's like, they're just like, what the fuck are you saying to me? <laughs> like, there's just too much happening right now. Yeah. Um, where if you just put them in a position where it's like, when you push out, they're just like, oh shit, I've got to squeeze this. And it's like, that's exactly what we're trying to talk about. Just like you, you're feeling it rather than me telling you and you're receiving my information and trying to make an action of it. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfect example. So those two people walking to the gym, one goes with trainer who has an emotional attachment to the barbell squat. Cool. I'm going to teach you how to barbell squat. Great. Versus they walk into one of us and be like, cool, grab a plate, counterbalance squat, two weeks of that. 
Next week, all right, single kettlebell front squat for two weeks. The other person's still trying to figure out the barbell, still getting depth, still getting stability. Haven't really perfected the weight yet, so we're not going to add any weight if you're a responsible PT. Then we go, right, okay, single, you're, you're, you can't actually hang on to one kettlebell anymore. You're too strong for it. Here's two, put them on your shoulders, squat. All right, now I want you to get under a bar and do a squat. I guarantee that person that went through those progressions will out-squat the other. Yeah, and safer and, you know, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. All right, <laughs> back on topic. Talk about programming for ages. Like yeah, this. so the other two considerations <laughs> that you should have for programming, which what I might get to do is get Tam to put some show notes in because we talked about this to we're blue in the face. Yeah. Uh, is understanding volume distribution and tracking of volume yeah. and understanding the relationship between volume and intensity. Yeah. Like we were saying, most of the, the CERT 4 programming models that are out there um, that we've taught anyway are really fucking good at doing that. So honestly, just get your cert four book out and actually reread it with some respect <laughs> and it will probably tick the boxes. I think there's a little bit of like, yes, the old PT certs were shit. The, the theory that like it's too cheap, comes in a cereal box, whatever. It's not a lot of respect paid to the, the cert four education. That's one thing that I can hand my hat on and say that like, I'm really proud of teaching that and I enjoyed teaching it because I think it was really valuable for PTs who are entry level. Um, but yeah, you should... Like Jace was saying, if, if someone, if we came up to you and like, why have you made this program the way that it is? You should be able to talk about, well, I've distributed the volume because, and I've chosen this intensity because, uh, I've chosen these exercises specifically because. If you can do that, you're in a pretty good position and then just practice that over time and you'll get better anyway. Yeah, and for those that don't want to uh, read their cert three and four book, because maybe that's, you know, they're just a couple of years in and whatever. There's some really good books um, that are just on like, you know, periodization of strength training. So I actually think the book is that. So it's like complete guide of periodization strength training or something along those lines. Like maybe I'll try and find it and put in the show notes. So I haven't read it in a long time, but you can get most of the fundamentals of actual programming just from a really good book um, as well. So just for those. What's, um, What's Chad and Mike's one? Uh, scientific principles of strength. So that's, that's also a great read. Yeah. So that, that would probably be my next step. If you feel like you're pretty comfortable with that fundamental, um, that's makes the, I guess the skeleton for our programming model. Uh, it's, it's really, really effective and introduces a shitload of variables more so around strength though, less for the body composition. Yeah. Um, Skull one's not bad for that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. So you, you should be able to kind of just find a, find someone that you uh, kind of connect with um, as an educator in the online space, go and eat up their content. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you're going to be in the right space. When it comes just, to I'm going to do the standout PT course. Well, yeah, the principles are the principles. So if people <laughs> are talking about those things, they usually know what they're talking about. Yeah. So next up things that we want to talk about in terms of like your technical proficiency, this one is the most gray area, most talked about, most overcomplicated section that there is in terms of technical skills that come with being a personal trainer, and that's nutrition. Yeah, massive place where people are operating in who have no business doing. Mm. Massive place that people are operating in uh, that don't really know what they're doing. 
a massive place that people overcomplicate and navigate through too quickly and aren't good at the other things that we spoke about before. Yeah. So if we come back to the first point, which is <clears throat> conversations to empower and encourage habit formation over time with a client, the fundamentals for a personal trainer should be that build long-term habits around nutrition based on all we can go off is the healthy eating guidelines, essentially, uh, or you could refer to other materials provided you understand them um, to encourage a client to progressively improve their average baseline of nutrition over time. Yeah. We obviously get caught up in as nerds. And if you're listening to that, you probably know your calorie intake, track your macros. It's the first thing that Jason and I were sort of talking about whenever we catch up, um, eat more or whatever. And we like to nerd out on this shit. And if you're, doing it yourself you like to nerd out on this shit but understand we had a really cool conversation with one of the girls in the in the uh, education call last night just around like remembering that you might only need to do a check-in with someone every four weeks and review how much protein they're eating you don't have to micromanage their calorie intake protein carbs and fats and fiber every single day to get fit and tone up and improve your body composition it's not a requirement. Uh, Jason and I were sort of saying like, we didn't do check-ins for the first six years of our career. Mm. We got some pretty good results, <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah. We managed to pay our bills. So we're obviously doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe after the first year, I was paying my bills anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think the nutrition space, obviously a lot of people want to become that one-stop shop. They you know, nutrition is such an important element to getting outcomes for, body composition, especially performance as well. So a lot of trainers kind of want to move into that to be, you know, because they want to improve their service. So definitely can understand that. Uh, most of them read a couple of books and then feel like they're, um, you know, qualified enough to kind of navigate the space and need to really understand kind of like what line they're kind of treading on in terms of compliance and stuff. There's certainly some courses out there for personal trainers that are a little bit shorter in time frame. Um, can give you kind of some insurance and knowledge to give healthy people and athletic populations advice on nutrition. Uh, we've been chatting to someone just recently. I found another course as well. Um, so you can uh, definitely put yourself in a good position to offer that. I think before you do that, just understand basic nutrition. Like I believe every single person in this world should do. It's like, why do we need to eat? What is energy balance? What are the three situations that manipulate our body composition? What are, what are the macronutrients? And then you move to eating behavior, starting to work on molding someone's eating behavior. And that's where I feel like, or maybe I, you know, they're the ones that I have exposed myself to the, the most, but precision nutrition are one of the best at getting people to work on eating behavior. Yeah. If you can get someone conscious about what they're eating, that's better than knowing anything about macros and stuff to start with. So people yeah. aren't going to really kind of care about what's going in the system until you think about what's happening from a eating choice frequency, you know, perspective first, then you can kind of start to micromanage nutrition once they've got that foundation. So there's no real point going to the top. If the bottom's not there, it's like, they're just going to fall out from underneath them. Yeah. I think the precision nutrition hand plan is definitely in a nutrition space, potentially across the board, one of the most valuable single resources that are available for personal trainers. Yeah. Like so underutilized yeah. so much. So simple, so easy to follow. Um, 
you know, obviously encourages people to do things like food logs and take photos and send them to the coach, be mindful of their nutrition. It's only the, the, the advice is coming back and that's where the coaching conversations come from too. It's like how to understand people's food choices um, rather than just like trying to get everyone to eat like you. Um, and then you can start to make it work. Cause like I got fucking peeled without even thinking about a macro in the brain of whatever food. Like I got shredded. So it can happen. It's just obviously I had a good awareness of food choices. I knew what to have, but it's like, I just wanted to prove to myself, like, could I just look at a food, food on a plate and then just be a bit intuitive on like how much I needed to eat and get, get in shape. And, and you definitely can, you can do it. And I've gotten good results with other people to it. We've gotten good results with other people doing it. And it's like, I'm still working within my scope there yeah. as a coach providing a resource from someone else who's qualified um, and that I agree with and understanding that we need to eat frequently. The food needs to relatively look like this. These are the food groups where you get them from. And then it's just re- auto-regulation and intuition, like with changing stuff. Um, <laughs> I think we'll do a whole episode maybe, because I think it's one of the most, the thing we get a lot with people coming through to the, for the standout PT course is like, what can I, can't I do with nutrition? Yeah. So I think it's important to understand like, you know, the, the fat loss situation, the hypertrophy situation, how to get performance, you know, those kind of things. I think it's really good to understand like your calories and, you know, adaptive thermogenesis and all of these things, like all of it. But we need to make sure that we don't take that knowledge and move into a space that we're not supposed to. Yeah. Like you can know it so that if someone says to me, oh, I'm doing keto, it's like, okay, what what's made you decide to do that so then you go all right i know the ketogenic diet i understand this i understand what fuel's being burned i understand the bake up all you know so like tell me the macro split of your keto diet like in air quotes you know so i think that that's a really valuable thing to do it's more when we just start to like act as nutritionists and dietitians and stuff and we, and, and we have no scope to do so that's like when we're potentially getting ourselves into a risky situation mm-hmm. but yeah very valuable very valuable so next up, what you'll need to do well is track results. Yeah, a lot of PTs that actually don't do this and they're the ones that we talked about typically that don't have programs because it's that little bit of fear of like, well, what if I don't get an outcome and this person, like I, I get exposed as a shit PT because they're not getting the outcomes that they're supposed to over a whatever period of time. So it's getting good at that and getting good at interpreting outcomes and then looping back to that conversation and having the client have input in that as well. Like was discussing it last night. Like we used to do monthly check-ins results. Tracking was once a month measurements, feedback. How was your nutrition? How was your training? Were you adherent? How many sessions did you do? Et cetera, et cetera. What's the main thing we need to work on this month and then move on with our lives and come back in a month and do it again obviously now the people that we work with <clears throat> need that little bit of more fine tuning on a week to week basis. A month's maybe too long. Yeah. Uh, so we've moved to weekly check-ins, but again, that's coming back to understanding your client. If your client's a mom of three who doesn't see value in feeling, filling out a spreadsheet every week and submitting that to you, then we just need to find a solution that works for that person. It's very similar to that nutrition thing. Just because you value it doesn't mean they do. Mm. yeah i think it like at some point like you have to be tracking stuff because it's it's where all the decision making should come from like we need to use some form of data and metrics to i guess work out that 
the plan that you've put in place is going to, you know, uh, like it's going to plan, like, you know, we're getting the outcomes that we want. And then we also need to use that data and metrics to come to the conclusion that things aren't working either and why they could potentially not be working. Like every single plan that we put together is based off like these hypothetical start points of like really good information. We don't know if that's actually going to work out in real time. So we've got to now go, right, well, what does the data show? Are we, you know, moving in the right direction? And if we're not, it's like, is the plan not really where it's supposed to be? Or is the client not following the plan because they either are doing something they, you know, consciously know is sabotaging them from the plan or they might actually not know. They might not be consciously aware of that. And that happens a lot. And that's where, again, coaching conversations comes in. You always go there first rather than trying to go in all defensively. And it's like, well, you, 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 you haven't been doing this. You haven't been following the program. Um, and again, we have this relationship that's, you know, kind of ticking over in a very healthy manner, providing a good platform to come up with a good solution. It's also understanding what the client's outcome actually is. What the, like when you're tracking results, what results does a client care about? If they just want to see that they're getting stronger month to month and they don't give a fuck about fat loss, you're banging your head against a brick wall. Like, why aren't you eating? Why are you eating so much? And why are you eating out on the weekends and stuff? But their strength numbers are going up. You're telling them they're failing, even though based on what they told you they wanted, they're getting success. Like it's not going to bode real well. I told the story heaps of times of a client I had just wouldn't stop drinking wine every day. And I used to just fucking go crazy about it. Like in my head, obviously not at her. And it just, it got to the point where one day I was just like, before I was mature enough to ask this question frequently, which you should be, I just went, are you happy with your results? Cause I was done. I was at the end of the line. Just like, I'm fucking done. I'm not training this person anymore. Yeah. And then she was just like, well, yeah, like I'm not getting fatter. I'm getting stronger. And my husband works 70 hours a week and you're the only adult I talk to other than my two children. And I was like, oh, okay then. Awesome. So just keep as is. She's like, yeah. yeah, it's great. I'm having fun. And I was like, fuck me. <laughs> so it was just like six months of drama in my own head that didn't even happen because like she was happy with her outcomes. Yeah, I think if you want to avoid that situation where you like pulling teeth and pulling your own hair out, like just with either you're not satisfied with the outcomes or that person is, isn't and you, got, you don't know what where to move to next, like set yourself up to have some data points to just track them and be able to choose to look at them and rationally go, right, we're going to do this next, um, you know, because this says this, or, you know, there's a tremendous amount of like resilience that gets made when you track things and like things don't go well. It's like, it's not perfect every time. Sometimes you fuck it up, but sometimes you don't follow the plan and you don't want to take ownership for it. Um, so it's like, you need to, you know, go back to the drawing board and go, right, well, we're going to do this again and we're going to follow this. And the other thing as well is it reinforces good habits when things go well. So, Again, if you're not tracking stuff, if you're not measuring things, you can't manage. Can't manage things. You're guessing. You're guessing. You're just hoping. You're just blindly throwing at a dartboard, hoping you hit the target. So, yeah, you know, you're going to get found out at some point. So, revisiting all of these. So, <clears throat> excuse me. We started with like your ability to communicate, and we've moved on to the fundamentals, which is like exercise, execution, and writing your program. That's how we're going to make change in somebody. We know that nutrition is going to play a large role in that. So we probably need something that's going to be in the realm of nutrition based on the client that we're working with today. We've talked more so about like your general gym client, depending on what kind of coach you are is going to be what level of programming and nutrition knowledge you need to then apply. It has to solve the problem for the person you're working with. 
Then we go into results tracking. Again, that's going to be dependent on who you're working with and what results they actually want. If you want to see like 50 kilos added to your powerlifting total in, in six months, me checking your progress once every four weeks, probably not going to be the best way to do that. We probably need to see things a little bit more often. I need to track different stuff. So we've got the results tracking. Then we come down to like, all right, well, what else does it take to get an outcome out of somebody? What are the other variables that we may be able to influence as personal trainers inside our scope that would give us, um, that would, yeah, create a better outcome for the client. The last one I'm sort of putting out there is like just lifestyle tracking. So yeah. being able to look at other points that are inside somebody's life that you could have a positive, positive impact on that would then in turn return a positive impact on their training out, training outcomes that you're trying to provide for them. So sleep is the number one thing that stands out for me. Like that's something that starts going into the tracker straight away, or it's a conversation if someone's not willing to track it, like, Oh, how was your sleep? How is this kind of traveling? Every time you come in at the moment, you tell me you're having sleep, shit sleep. Let's like put together something that we can work on that for. The yeah, other one that's suit. Sorry, Jessica. No, no, no. Keep going, bro. I'll, I'll add it at the end. So the, uh, the other one that's like probably not so much right now. It was like a couple of years ago, maybe was everywhere was like prescribing steps. Oh, for neat, which if it's prescribed, it's not neat, but anyway, so just being able to look at what someone's total output and can putting that in consideration into their overall lifestyle. So that means looking at what their job is like, are they sedentary? Are they active? Are they doing training outside of your training? Uh, I've got a couple of girls at the moment that are military. That's like balancing their workload is really challenging because that's so variable week to week. So understanding those things, um, Jace is just typing in as we go, which is literally what I was going to go to next, which is just general like stress and overwhelm and anxiety. That's something that as a personal trainer, we can put resources together to help with. Like, can you encourage someone to get on headspace and spend five minutes a night doing that before they go to sleep, which actually ticks two birds with one stone. Can you encourage 20 minutes outside per day without their phone? Can you influence these choices and decisions that your client's making that's going to positively impact your overall uh, package? I think like what Jay said earlier is people start jumping into like, you need to get some blue blockers. Um, so some blue light blockers for, to improve your sleep while they don't actually know how to teach a squat. So I think this is built pretty well in an importance hierarchy. Like this is the shit you need to get right in order. And I would make sure you have some level of mastery of each one before you start fucking with the next one. Yeah. Um, just with the lifestyle factor stuff, like again, it's you understanding this person that you're working with. You can start to put together this like global approach, this holistic approach to, you know, getting results for them not just taking care of like one part of, you know, being in the training or maybe two parts in the nutrition. Now looking at things from a global perspective and trying to make the best choices for this person or putting this person in the best decision to make the best choices for themselves. Yeah. That's probably a better way to describe it. That is going to, again, separate you from those people that just come in, whiteboard trainers, just whatever, see you later, you're half an hour, you're done. You know, so you're also going to get better outcomes with these people. These people are also going to get a better client experience. These people are also going to talk more about you. You're going to have, you know, really good before and afters and really good, um, you know, testimonials and stuff. So hopefully you guys are starting to think about like, you know, kind of put together the picture of like, if I run a good business, 
if I am really good communicator, if I know my client, if I know their problems and I've developed a service to solve them, you know, I have all these good technical skills that are related to the client. That's where this, like, you know, this momentum, which is your business starts to move in a direction where you start to get more clients. You can start to charge more money. You can start to you know, get this freedom back to kind of do other things. And you don't feel so shackled to your business. And it doesn't just come like you can't do that just with this pillar. Correct. And I think that's important to identify. It is tremendously valuable, but we yeah. cannot do this whole thing, this whole PT business thing, with just this pillar, like that's not, it's not a one pillar method. It's the five pillar method. And we know that because we've made huge mistakes in the past just doing the one pillar method. And it's, um, it's challenging because this is the most fun one. Like if you go back on the rest of our episodes, it's like 90% of our episodes are talking about being great. Yeah. If you throw the values out as a personal trainer, being technically, well, you know, endeavoring to be technically proficient in these and like, you know, learning and educating, is going to be right up there, like spending as much time on this as possible. And so we have a look at like the survivability of a personal training business and removing the stress and anxiety that comes from not having any clients, um, not paying the bills, not seeing the growth that you want, not working with the people that you want to either. We can't lie in this pillar only. Yeah. And it's like, that's where we've got to go, kind of go, right, well, I need to make sure that you know, I'm doing some stuff to be creative, to learn, to value my education and stuff. But I also need to, you know, make sure that I'm putting my business in the best position to create a future for myself. You know, this is a great industry. If you do the right things to lay the right foundations and actually put yourself in a position to make a living off it. Yeah. But if you don't do that, it'll take your fucking soul <laughs> and it won't give it back. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the main three problems, and we talk about these a lot, that we see with personal trainers is an inability to attract clients. They work too much and they don't get paid enough. Yeah. So when we look at, okay, well, they're the problems that most personal trainers have. And that's the reason why there's so little amount of personal trainers between the ages of 25 and 45. Because those things happen and it makes it really hard to do the adult thing. Yeah. buy a house, have a family, live the life that you want to live inside the environment of being a personal trainer. So that's the lens that we want you guys just to take a look at. I know today we, it almost sounded like we were anti-knowledge and we're not. That's not what we're trying to communicate to you guys. It's like you guys need to be knowledgeable about what you're supposed to be knowledgeable. Yeah. Then go and learn all the cool shit, listen to all the podcasts, like yeah. fucking message me on Instagram and talk about nerdy shit. I don't care. But when it comes to your clients, you need to make sure you're really fucking good at delivering their outcome. And that's what the be great pillar is about is being really fucking good at delivering the outcome. Yeah. Because we want all you guys to deliver good outcomes. If you're delivering a good outcome and you look at those three problems, like will I attract more clients if I get good results? Of course you will. Will you have to work as much if you systemize this shit and you understand you have a programming model, a nutrition model, you know how to track for your individual clients, you know what things to look at and how frequently you do it. You know how to communicate with people effectively and you have resources based on understanding them. Do you have to spend as much time on each client? No, it's more efficient. And then we go, cool. So I'm great at getting results. I get them in a really short period of time and it's simple and I understand my clients. Do you think you'd probably charge more than what you currently do? 
Of course you could. So you've increased the efficiency of your business. You've increased the income that you're making per client. And all of a sudden clients are starting to come into you and you're living this fucking dream that you were sold one, two, five years ago during your cert four of this lifestyle of a personal trainer. Yep. So to wrap that all up, obviously the five pillars, we've gone through all of them now. Um, the mindset one was contained in the overall five pillars. If you want to unpack that, if you're searching for it. So mindset, model, service, client acquisition, and be great. They're the five things that you're going to need. What we recommend you guys do after this episode, hopefully you've heard all five, even if you haven't, if this is the first one you're listening to, jump onto stcfitlearning.com uh, forward slash products. In there, you will find our business scorecard. It's free. I know it says products, but it's free. Jump on there and just assess the health of your business overall. So it will test you on all five of those pillars and see where you come out. Uh, and then if you want to, Jason and I can jump on a call with you and unpack those even further and just maybe point out where you could make some, where the lowest hanging fruit is to make big impacts on those three problems uh, and, and get some solutions to make sure that good people that are taking the time and effort to listen to shit like this are actually staying in the industry. They're getting the rewards that they deserve. Uh, and from a selfish position to help us reach the 1 million people that we aim to by 2030. Obviously, make sure also following at stcfit underscore learning on Instagram, uh, at Jason Galea underscore stcfit, uh, stc, sorry, and then at Ben Scott stc. If you're interested in the online coaching side of things and looking at what we do in that space, so to client side of things, that's at stcfit. Uh, like I said, the website is stcfitlearning.com. There's three free gifts on there at the moment. So there's niching your business. There's a squat bench deadlift tutorial and case studies of how our guys um, thrived really. I was going to say survived, but thrived through COVID last year and beyond. Uh, and then, yeah, in closing the standout PT course launches on February 1st, yep. uh, which we're fucking excited about. This is going to be epic. Like, yeah, 12 week program. Jason and I are pretty much putting the fishing touches on it now. We're really excited with the level that it's at. Um, workshops and on e learning uh, question and answer sessions with us as well. Super interactive, super tangible and practical of like shit that you actually do instead of just hearing things that you never apply that don't actually impact your business. So yep. uh, inbox us straight away. We only have a few spots left. Uh, where we're almost at capacity already. So hit us up, um, make sure you get a spot. And otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Yep. yep. That was great. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We'll see you next time. Bye. Yep.